Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Proverbs. The Old Testament book of Proverbs in the last chapter of the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs chapter 31. Of course, today is a day that we set aside to honor biblical Christianity motherhood. And that remember that Christian motherhood and Christian woman, womanhood is always elevated to a high spot within biblical Christianity. We know that other religions and other Christian denominations may uh, try to do other things which are not according to the Bible. But when we follow the Bible, Christian womanhood is always at an elevated, high, exalted spot. God loves Christian ladies and using their influence wisely. You've heard the expression, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world because there's such an influence that a mother has and that you cannot underscore the influence of of a mother. And when a mother has a walk with the Lord and follows what the Bible has to say, that the influence that she has spreads so far. And that's what the book of Proverbs chapter 31 speaks about. Notice if you don't mind Proverbs 31 and begin with me in verse number one. Proverbs 31 and verse one. The words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him. What, my son? And what, the son of my womb? And what, the son of my vows? Give not thy strength unto women, nor thy ways to that which destroyeth kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor princes strong drink, lest they drink and forget the law, and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. Give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish, and wine unto those that be of heavy hearts. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. Open thy mouth for the dumb in the cause of of all such that are appointed to destruction. Open thy mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax, and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She bringeth food from afar. She riseth up also while is night, yet night, and giveth meat to her household, and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field, and buyeth it, and with the fruit of her hands she planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength, and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good, her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold distaff. 
She stretcheth out her hand to the poor, yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen and selleth it, and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice time to come. She opened her mouth with wisdom, and her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children rise up, and calleth her blessed. Her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Proverbs chapter 31? Proverbs chapter 31, and notice with me in verse 10, who can find a virtuous woman? Who can find a virtuous woman. And with this, we want to explore what the Bible says here in Proverbs 31 about the virtuous woman. Who can find a virtuous woman? If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come to you now, we're just asking that you would give us wisdom and that you would give us grace, that you would help us with understanding of this passage, and that you would help show us clearly the, the level, the bar that you want us to strive to reach to, the level that you want us to step towards, that we could continue to get closer to you, and that you could honor Christian motherhood today and allow those who still have the area of influence within the lives of their family, that you would increase that influence because of the decisions they make to strive for this virtuous womanhood that you present to us. Lord, again, I need you in a special way that you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit, that you would guide and direct, help my mouth to say the things that you want me to say, help my lips to utter words that will be a help. Lord, I trust you to get your own work accomplished through your word now. Just fill me with your spirit, guide and direct even now. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. In your name we pray, amen. Proverbs chapter 31 is an intimate conversation between a mother and a son. Notice again in verse 31, the words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him. And verse 2, what my son goes on trying to place an emphasis, you're my son, you're my son. I have this responsibility to teach you. So here's the setting. You have a mother who is pulling aside her son and she is trying to teach him and getting in a conversation with him to explain what a virtuous woman is and what to look forward to in a mate and why choosing wisely is going to be a benefit to him. She's trying to take time to, before he enters to this, what should he look forward to? And in the heart of this, it's not talking about what she has accomplished. It is talking about what she is inside her character, the character of this lady. That when you're looking at this, you're trying to find the character. This is what makes a virtuous woman this level 
is her character. Notice again in verse 10 where it talks about this virtuous woman. Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies. Now this is very important here. That the virtuous woman here as a comparison is someone rare. That's the idea that's given here. That her price is far above rubies. Why is it so valuable? Because it's so rare. Now this here lets us know that not every single person you meet is a virtuous woman. But what this does give us, it gives us a standard to what to look forward to and what we can strive to in our own lives to give us something to move towards, something to have a goal, something to compare ourselves, something to strive for, this idea of a virtuous woman. Now in here, he's given this conversation going back and forth. And starting at verse number 10, he begins to rightly place an emphasis on this virtuous woman. In fact, from verses 10 to 31 is going to be a poetical anthem praising the virtuous woman. Each verse is going to be an acrostic, each one of them starting with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet, once again in a poetical way of trying to give them from A to Z what to look forward to inside of this future mate, striving for this highest peak of a virtuous woman. If you don't mind, let's take some time and explore this passage in Proverbs 31 and see what we could learn about this virtuous woman. The very first thing that we see about her is the heart of a virtuous woman. The heart of a virtuous woman. Notice with me in verse number 10. It says, who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies. Now, once again, when it speaks about this virtuous woman, this word virtue is going to speak quite a bit about character. That virtue speaks of godly character and Christ likeness. In fact, hold your finger here and let's try to see what the Bible defines and describes this word virtue. Turn with me to the end of the Bible, the book of first Peter. Sorry, the book of 2 Peter, chapter number 1. 2 Peter, chapter number 1. As we want to define our terms, we want to understand what the word virtue means. And remember that the Bible usually defines itself and describes itself. What does the word virtue mean? Notice with me, if you don't mind, 1 Peter. The book of 1 Peter, chapter number 1. And notice with me in verse number 5. 1 Peter, chapter uh, second Peter, sorry, second Peter chapter one, second Peter chapter one. And notice with me in verse five. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue and to your virtue knowledge. We'll go more about this later, but here it starts talking about that as a Christian, we need to start building things in our life and that we're to give all diligence. That word diligence means to pay attention to do it on purpose. May I pause here? That no one becomes a virtuous woman by accident. Some lady just doesn't wake up in the morning, roll over and go, wow, whoa, look at this. I accidentally became a virtuous woman. Well, this is amazing. There's no magic wand. To become a virtuous woman means that it has to be done on purpose, with forethought, with planning, with a goal in mind, with understanding what's my next step, what's my next step. Again, it will not happen just by accident. So it says to give all diligence, add to your faith. Now in this passage, notice this, we don't add faith, we add to our faith. 
that God gives us faith to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we start with that basis that God has given to us. Then with that basis of trusting God and Christ and his son, that we add to that base. And the next thing we add is virtue. The word virtue, we would carry with it our idea of character. It's who you are. It carries along with it the word integrity. The word integrity is a very interesting word. It could be defined like this. It could be defined complete or whole. Some other person may define it like this. Maybe it's a, a different picture for you. It is doing what's right even when no one else is looking. Character is who you are in the inside. So many people today will focus on the outside. We live in America. Everything is the outside world. Uh, they want to look good on the outside. Put a new coat of paint on something. They want something to look nice and shiny, the shiniest teeth, the brightest smile, the twinkling eyes. They, they work so hard on putting a, a, a coat of paint on the old barn, but they don't do anything on the inside. And the inside, it could be rotten and dirty and nasty, but the outside, oh, the outside, it looks as nice as it possibly can, sometimes artificially, but they spend so much emphasis on the outside where God says we begin in the inside. Who could find a virtuous woman? Well, we could probably say already that looking around, not here, but looking around, that we have a lot of people who are not working on the inside. Amen. They don't have character. They don't have integrity. Remember, integrity carries along with it. Character carries along with it. That who you are is not who you are in public. Well, who you truly are is who you are in private. It's the private life. The quiet life. The life that even your husband doesn't see. That's what God wants to work on. Who are you in your thought life? Who are you when no one's looking at you? I mean, anyone could put on a salesman version. Anyone could go up to church and put nice clothes on, nice smile, put a Bible under their arm and I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm wonderful. And then go home and then shred up the house and yell at everybody and make everybody miserable, right? Virtue is who you are in private. It is your character. And God says we start with our faith and we add virtue. We add integrity. We add character. That's the next step to add to. Notice this. And then besides this diligence, add your faith virtue and add to your virtue knowledge. Notice that knowledge doesn't come first. Virtue comes first. What, how does this work? Virtue and character carries this idea of who you are in private. If you don't develop your own Bible reading for yourself, there's no way you could add knowledge of God. This is why we say the greatest thing you could do on a daily basis is to read the word of God for yourself. By the way, if I could go ahead and since I'm here, reading your Bible doesn't mean I read a verse. May I say reading your Bible is not just reading a chapter. You will not grow and become a virtuous woman with just a chapter a day. You need to read until you're full. Have an appetite for it. Any woman who will not read her Bible consistently cannot be a virtuous woman, period. You said, you're being mean. No, I'm trying to be a help. I'm trying to be a help to you by explaining what this is. Remember, a virtuous woman is rare. Her price is beyond beauty. How do we get a virtuous woman? It starts with integrity, character. It starts with virtue. That's what a virtuous woman is, a woman of character. 
And because she's developed the character, the habit of reading the Bible for herself instead of being told, instead of being forced to, instead of being demanded, she's doing it because she knows this is what need, is needed. She adds to it knowledge. Besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and virtue knowledge. And to knowledge Temperance. This word temperance, some people like to define as self-control, but it goes beyond that. The idea of temperance carries with it the idea that I put things out of my life, even if they're not sinful, so I could have the best things. For example, <coughs> some lady with temperance knows when to turn off the TV. Some people with temperance knows when to put down the phone and the Facebook. They say, well, what's wrong with it? That, we always ask the wrong questions. The question is, what's right with it? If I'm striving to become a virtuous person, then there are things that I purposely set out of my life to have the best things. And so we add to our faith virtue, add to our virtue knowledge, add to our knowledge temperance, add to our temperance patience. Patience is a big deal. Why? Because if we're if you are a mother of any sort, you have to deal with children. Small children and big children. And they require patience to help them be the people that they ought to be. We can't just lose our minds every time someone does something wrong. Understanding children are going to be children. And that we have to help them along. We can't just give up on them. But to have the patience to do what's necessary. To take another step. Take another step. Take another step. Take another step. So besides this, giving all diligence to add to your faith virtue and your virtue knowledge and to your knowledge temperance and to temperance patience and to patience godliness. This idea of godliness is a big deal. Do you know there are a lot of moral people who are not godly people? You see, the good is often the enemy of the best. So many people satisfy being good people. But the virtuous woman is going to strive to be a godly person. This idea of godly carries the idea that they've developed a relationship with God and they're striving to be pleasing to him. They want to be an example of godliness because they practice godliness themselves. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And a brotherly kindness, charity. This charity is a type of love that costs us something with no hope or return. By the way, notice it is the very last thing. Why? Because this charity is impossible unless you put these other things. We know that we live in a world in a Christianity that talks about love, 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 love. But they can't practice love unless they've added these other things to their life. Not godly love, not biblical love. Does that make sense? So we start off with the heart of a virtuous woman. That it's the heart that God is working with. And that he's building upon. And that she has some character to her. It's not what she's accomplished on the outside or what she looks like on the outside. As much it is in what God is doing in the inside of her. The heart of a virtuous woman. That she has character and God is building these things. This list that we find in 2 Peter to her. To build up. The virtuous woman has a heart for God. And the heart that's been changed by God. You know with it the virtuous woman. She behaves herself modestly. In fact let's just take a quick detour. Notice with me in 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Again the Bible speaks quite a bit about Christian motherhood. And Christian womanhood. Let's see what the Bible has to say. Second, um, 1 Timothy chapter number 2. 1 Timothy chapter number 2. 
1 Timothy chapter number 2. And if you don't mind, we were talking about this godliness adding to it. Notice what the Bible has to say. 1 Timothy chapter number 2. Notice with me starting at verse 9. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broiled hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. So in verse number nine, notice there's a couple things here that she, first of all, is godly in her demeanor. Notice this, shamefacedness and sobriety. The word of sobriety means seriously. That if a woman is going to be a virtuous woman, she takes the role of being a mother seriously. It is a serious job to raise children for the Lord. It is a serious job to be the woman you ought to be. It needs to be a serious thing. So many ladies laugh at the sin of their children. <laughs> My kid's misbehaving. <laughs> There's not a sobriety to it. You understand it is a very serious thing to train a child and make a child think that they're doing right by doing wrong. There's a seriousness why she carries himself. Now, it doesn't mean that she has to have no fun. You should enjoy life. But she should take seriously the job that she has for her in her demeanor, the way that she carries herself. Not only that, the way that she dresses herself. The idea of modest apparel. The word modesty carries the idea of not bringing attention to the sexual zones of the body. We understand that we live in a world that is very much immodest. They're always bringing uh, attention to the sexual zones. And I mean, it's even get to the place where we finally got warm, 70 degrees inside of Wisconsin. And driving down the street, it's almost with blinders on because people are so immodest now. We got to the place that here is a, as a lady, because God has worked on the inside, it's now began to change her on the outside. And she's even wearing something that's purposely not drawing the eye to the sexual zones of the body. She's carried herself modestly. Not only that, turn with me if you don't mind to the book of Titus. So we could see a virtuous woman. She carries herself well in her demeanor and her manner of dress. Titus chapter 2. We see something else about a godly woman, woman, a virtuous woman. Notice with me in Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. All of this is talking about the heart of the virtuous woman. Titus chapter 2. And notice with me in verse 3. Titus chapter 2 and verse 3. It says the aged women. The word aged here doesn't mean that they're all wrinkly and crusty. It carries the idea that they are mature in their faith. This is the idea of spiritually mature. That the spiritually mature, may we say a virtuous woman, a godly woman. That the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becoming holiness. Now we spoke about this before. That they should be someone who carries themselves as a holy manner. Not false accusers. Maybe you want to put right beside that gossipers. A virtuous woman has learned not to gossip. That's an important thing. We understand that we live in a world where that's a default setting. If you could forgive uh, a personal illustration. When my wife and I just got married, my wife was invited to one of those uh, gossip parties. I mean, candle parties where they would have the ladies go and they would show the candles. And my wife is newly married. I mean, she doesn't even know enough of to me to complain. 
I meant freshly married. And she's uh, going to this party with another lady who's newly married, just a newly wed. Uh, and so they go to this candle party and all of a sudden, all the ladies start complaining about their husbands. And it starts spreading to the place where my wife and this other lady start complaining about their husbands too. And just because everyone else is doing it. And as they're driving home, they look at each other and say, wait a second. What just happened here? I love my husband. Why am I complaining about him? And my wife made a decision that day that she would never criticize me ever in public. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm without fault because she is married to me. I've got issues. But she made it a purpose that she'll never say anything bad about me in public. You understand that's part of what a virtuous woman will do is that she's looking out for me. She learns how to correct me in private and not purposely tear me down in front of other people publicly. And that's something that an aged woman, a mature woman, a godly woman, a virtuous woman, how she carries herself. Not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of many things. Now notice what they're supposed to teach, verse 4. That they, the godly women, the virtuous women, notice they have a responsibility that they may teach the younger women to be sober. Now we're going to go through a list here. Do you know whose responsibility it is to teach young mothers how to be mothers? It's not the pastor's job. It is the mature godly women who are supposed to take these ladies apart. By the way, we also call this discipleship. And to teach them how to do these things, that they may learn how to be sober. Do you know most young mothers don't know how to be serious about their job? They've never been taught. When you get married, you're not handed a manual and say, here you go. Most of them are trying to do the best they can with what they have. They need someone to teach them, listen, you need to be serious about your marriage. You need to be serious about raising your kids. There needs to be a sobriety about this. Notice as it goes on, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands. Some young ladies say, well, listen, I don't need to be taught to love my husband. I love my husband. Sure, you may have a feeling, but love is not a feeling. Love is a commitment. Love is being able to love him when he leaves his dirty socks all over the place. Love is to be able to take care of him when the salesman version goes off. I mean, every guy, uh, ladies, if you haven't figured this out, guys put on a salesman version. When they try to date you, they will actually take a shower. They will comb their hair. They'll change their clothes. They'll put something that makes them smell good. They'll actually clean out the car. And then you marry them and feel like, well, what happened? What? <laughs> they got, you got a salesman version. And you have to be taught how to love your husband when you find out he has flaws. I understand that every young lady who gets married thinks her husband is perfect. And we, great, wonderful. I hope she doesn't marry him and think he's a loser fright off. But when the reality hits that he's not as perfect as you once thought he was and that he has issues, how to love him despite that. And you need to be taught that because it is so easy for husbands and wives to get bitter with each other because I thought she was going to be this and I thought he was going to do this. She has to be taught how to love her husband. And that's part of what the godly women are supposed to teach the younger women. Two, <laughs> teach the younger women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. Well, I thought every mother has a natural love for their kid. I understand, but we're not talking about feelings. 
you know, if you love your children, you'll correct their behavior. If you love your children, you'll use the word no. And they have to be taught that because discipline doesn't become easy. It doesn't come naturally. When the child is born, there's not a a book tagging along behind him, how to raise me right. Now, God has given us a book, but they need to be taught how to love their kids enough to correct their behavior. How to say, no, don't do that. No, don't climb on the refrigerator. No, don't sit on the cabinet. No, don't put the dog in the washer. They have to be taught, no, don't do that. Because otherwise, a lady says, I don't know what to do, so I'm going to let them do whatever they want. And that's the worst thing that could happen to a child. This is part of that virtuous woman because her heart and she's grown to the Lord. Now she has a responsibility to teach others how to be godly and virtuous themselves. That they may teach the younger women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet. Again, you might want to put the word gossip next to there. The word discreet carries the idea to say the right thing at the right time at the right place. And you need to be taught to be discreet. There are certain things that happen in the home that don't need to be told to everyone else. If your kid gets in trouble, you don't have to go call the neighborhood and tell the neighborhood what your kid did. We have to teach them to be discreet. Now, I understand discreetness is not something that's immediate. How do I know? I taught Sunday school class. All you have to do to find out what's going on in the home is ask for prayer request. And you'll get a whole rundown of every little thing that's happened in the home. Well, that shouldn't be that way for a young woman. A young woman shouldn't say, I can't wait to tell you all the things that my husband did wrong. I can't tell you all the failures that my kids have. They should learn how to be discreet. To say the right thing at the right place to the right people at the right time. How to be chaste. This carries the idea how to carry themselves well how to carry themselves modestly, how to carry themselves in a way that's not drawing the attention of someone else other than their husband, to carry themselves chaste, how to be keepers at home. You say, well, I got married. I know how to keep my home. Most ladies have never been taught how to properly keep their home. And there's something to be taught to it. You know, there's something about being given to hospitality where guests can come and feel comfortable where people could feel welcome there, uh, how to be keepers at home, to be good. You say, what? It's all by itself? Good. Yeah. You have to be taught how to be good. Why? Because our default is bad. They have to be taught how to be good, how to be obedient to their own husbands. Again, that doesn't come natural because he's a good for nothing guy who keeps messing up. You have to be taught how to, to trust God when you can't trust him. Because taking the Bible and beating them over the head is not how to get your husband to change. How do I change? I become the best person I possibly can and then cheat and go talk to his boss. That's how my wife deals with me. And God could do a lot better changing me than my wife can change her. That's the secret of what God has done with me over the years. It's my wife's fault. She's prayed to God and God took me outside the woodshed and fixed my behavior. They have to be taught how to do that and how to be able to trust God even when their husbands are stupid. You know that biblical authority doesn't have the right to be illegal or moral or biblical, but he has the right to be stupid. And there are times that a husband will make a stupid decision and the wife has to trust God when she can't trust him and learn how to submit anyways. And then (laughs) notice what God says there, that the word of God be not blaspheme. You understand that the Christian home is supposed to be the example 
of godliness. And when the Christian home doesn't function correctly, then people accuse our God of not being real. You know, people are looking for something that works. And when people have a Christian home and the woman has learned to trust God and allow God to change her, people say there's something real to that. You understand, we can always put on a face and say, oh, look how godly I am. But our home will betray whether that's true or not. And when our homes are in order and give praise to God, people say that home is real. Their God is real. I want to know something about that. Now turn back with me, if you don't mind, to Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31. We're talking about the virtuous woman. And the first thing that we brought to your attention was the heart of the virtuous woman. Defining the term virtuous, that it carried the idea of integrity, of her heart, of who she is in private, not just in public. And that God builds off of that to help make her godly. And as she's godly, we see that there's traits, how she carries herself, how she dresses herself, how she teaches others to be and follow after the Lord, to have the home that they ought to have. The second thing we find in the book of Proverbs 31 is the husband of the virtuous woman. The husband of the virtuous woman. Notice with me in verse 11. Proverbs 31 verse 11. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her so that he should have no need of spoil. Notice this. There's a couple things that he could trust her for. It says the heart of the husband doth safely trust in her. He trusts in her, first of all, to be faithful to him. That she's not trying to attract someone else. But he knows that she... I don't have to worry about that. Her heart's with me. That's something that's a comfort to a man. I don't have to worry about her looking at someone else, her trying to try someone, a misunderstanding happening because she's at the wrong place, the wrong time of the wrong, saying the wrong thing. But also <laughs> that the heart of her, Dasef, Uh, safely trusted her. So he had no need of spoil to be diligent in the home that he could trust in her to take care of this to be what she should, and that he trust in her. The Bible speaks quite a bit about uh, dealing with a contentious woman, that uh, it's better for uh, uh, dripping of water than to deal with the noise of a uh, contentious woman. It's better to deal on the top of the house hop to deal with a contentious woman. A woman is always nagging, always... You know, he trust in her. You know, it is a responsibility as a work of a wife to try to uplift your husband. You say, but you don't know my husband. I understand some people, it's more of a challenging than others, but can I lift him up? How can I do to help him succeed? What can I do to help him uh, uh, be what God wants him to be, to, to be with him and the husband trust in her? You know, one of the ideas of a virtuous woman is that Uh, people in today, they've defined womanhood such a way that they need power, they need control. But you understand that a virtuous woman has more power over husband than anyone else. Why? Because I've learned to trust in her. I need her counsel. I need her wisdom. I need her to help. My heart is on her. She has more influence over me than she ever could taking a Bible and beat me over the head every time I did something wrong. Because her having the character and the walk with the Lord, I trust her. 
I don't dare do something without talking to her about this because she may see something. That's the idea here is that there's such a heart trust because I know that she has my best interest at heart, that she's looking out for me, that And because she's proven that over and over, he can fully trust in her. And because of that, he can glory in her. Notice with me that she will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. In fact, it goes on and talks more about in the Bible, but also in this passage that he trusts in her. He can glory in her. Look at what my wife has done. My wife it takes care of this. My wife has made me who I am today. We had that old saying that behind every good man is a good woman. There's a truth to it that a good man can look back and say, my wife has made me who I am. My wife's the one who's lifted me up, encouraged me in the days that I didn't feel like I could take another step. She's the one that got behind me and, and, and put the wind in my sails. She's the one that, that helped me going when I couldn't go. That's part of that virtuous woman. And that because of that, the husband of the virtuous woman, he trusts in her and he turns around and glories in her and says, it's because of her. It's because of her. One more thing as we examine this passage, we see the heart of a virtuous woman, the husband of a virtuous woman, but we also see the home of a virtuous woman. Notice as we go on, starting at verse 13, and we're going to run through this passage here. Notice if you don't mind. We start to see that her home is her priority. Notice with me in verse 13. She seeketh wool, flax, and worketh willingly. Now, when we go through here, notice how many times it gives this idea of work and labor and not laziness. That's part of being a virtuous woman is being able to put the work in that's necessary. Every home and every relationship requires work. And she's willing to put the work in. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly. That means she does it on her own without being told, without being pressed or whatever else. She does it because this is what needs to be done. She does it willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She bringeth food from afar. Amen. Every person who grew up in a good home with a mom like that, this verse works here, that there was always food on the table. No matter where we're at, it's like ships from afar. She made sure there was something to eat. As a child, I never said, mom, are we going to eat today? Never had to guess that. Because there was always food for the table. Oh, like it's doing a poetical thing, like a merchant ship. She's making sure that it's always there and it's available. She, she comes from afar. Uh, the meal's always prepared. As a child, I never wondered, am I going to have something to eat? That's a wonderful thing. That's a praise. Of course, my wife is taking care of that in my family. She's maybe the man I am today. Uh, always making sure there's something to eat. Good. Verse 15. She riseth also why it is yet night. That means before the dawn and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her mating. You know, there's something about a a mother who's made the home a priority is that she makes sure that the kids have something to eat for breakfast. She makes sure that the kids have something to eat for lunch, that there's something available, that she works hard and she has it there for them. Praise the Lord for every mother who made sure that the kids had had that available before they went off to school, before they went off to work. They had something available for them. She considereth a field and buyeth it and the fruit of her hands, that carries the idea of labor, she planted the vineyard. Now we understand that today we we depend on grocery stores, but back then they had to go till their own garden. They had to take care of it, make sure that there was something there. 
we're thankful that she's willing to work. By the way, this is not saying that a lady should not work outside the home. My wife works outside the home, but she still makes home a priority in the middle of it that she's making sure the home's taken care of. She works to make sure that we have food on the table. She works to make sure that, <laughs> that things are taken care of. So notice as it goes on, verse six, 17, she girdeth her loins with strength and strengthened her arms. Again, it carries the idea of labor. That she, Okay, there are plenty of days where you don't feel like going to work. Amen. Then why do you go to work? Because I have to. How do you do it? Strengthen the legs, strengthen the arms, all right? Got to do this. It's got to be done. And willing to go. Notice, if you don't mind, in verse 18, she perceiveth that her merchandise is good and her candle goeth not out by night. Now, this idea, remember, they didn't have electricity back then. And so you had candles that lit things up. Heaven forbid if your home in the middle of the night, the lights didn't work. Think your kids might have an issue with that? Absolutely. Well, here it carries the idea that she's making sure the lights are on. She's doing her part. She's making sure things are taken care of. Praise the Lord for this. The candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle and her hands to the distaff. Once again, this idea of laboring, this idea of working. Notice in verse 20, she stretcheth out her hands to the poor and she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. Here, she's even uh, nice to other people around them. She's not haughty and saying, stay away from me. But here she has a good testimony even to those without the home. We know a lot of people that try to raise up my children, stay away from them. No. (laughs) There's no looking down her nose at the other people around. Verse 21. She is not afraid of the snow for her household. (laughs) Excuse me. For her household is clothed with scarlet. Here, this applies to Wisconsin pretty good. When the winter happens, she's not worried about it because she knows her kids have everything they need to survive winter. They've got the mittens. They've got the hats. They know where they're at. They have the coats. They're ready to go. They fit. They're, they've got everything they need for the kids to survive the winter. That's a big deal. Amen. By the way, you start planning that late summer here, yep. which is like August 5th. But to make sure that the things are taken care of before winter hits. We've learned here the hard way. You don't go shopping for coats when winter hits in Wisconsin. They've already moved to spring in the stores. You have to go get the stuff beforehand. You plan ahead of time. By the way, that's an idea. They plan ahead of time. You don't wait until it's needed. You make sure it's there before it's needed. Verse 22. She maketh herself coverings and tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple, we would understand this, that she carries herself well, even in the way that she dresses. It's not necessarily fancy, but she doesn't, we, we all know people who dress professionally poor people, that they purposely get the, the rattiest clothes they can and wear it around and everyone feels sorry for them. She goes, no, no, no. I don't care how poor we are. We're still going to dress as well as we can. There's going to be something to it. They're making sure they're not having ratty clothes. I understand our society today that they make brand new jeans with already holes in it, which took us years to get into it when we did our age. Anyways, 22, 23, her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land, meaning that because of her, he has a good testimony, even with those without the, the woman helps do so much for the man to have the testimony, to have the influence, to be able to get accomplished the things he needs to get done because of what she 
is doing in the home. She maketh fine linen and selleth it, delivereth the girdles to the merchant. Once again, the idea of laboring, she's making sure that things are taken care of. Verse 25, strength and honor are her clothing. What a great picture of a virtuous woman. That when you think of a mother, most of us, if we took time to think about it, strength would be in it. My mom was strong. She woke up in the morning and she got things done and she went to work and she dealt with us kids, even though us kids were a pain. And she was strong. There's something about praise of a, of a biblical mother because it takes strength. And there's a strength to it. Strength and honor are her clothing. And she could rejoice in time to come. You know what you're doing when you're investing in your family, investing in the home? is that you will get praise and honor and glory later on because of it. Notice as it goes on, verse 26, she openeth her mouth with wisdom and her tongue is the law of kindness. Oh, how many of us have a mother that we could have asked advice for? And we sought for their advice. Mom, I need some help about this. Mom, I'm dealing with this. To have this, this um, <coughs> uh, counsel that we could get from them. Verse 27, she looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. Once again, she's not known for being lazy. She's known for working, known for laboring, known to take care of things. Her children arise up and call her blessed. When it's all said and done, when her kids grow older, they can say, you know what? My mom loved me and she took care of me. She made sure we always had clothes. She made sure that we always had shoes. She made sure that we were taken care of. And everybody, I think most of us who've grown up and had a mother that was trying to do right, called her back later on and said, thank you so much for being my mom. Thank you for taking care of me. You know, <laughs> she may not have been perfect, but she did labor and she worked and I'm thankful for it. That's the idea is that you're not doing it for the praise, but as a side effect, you'll get the praise later on. Thank you, mom, for taking care of me. Her husband also, and he praiseth her. Now, I know I've been hitting a lot about ladies right now. Let me clear off a spot. Men, praise your wife. Thank your wife for what she does. Honor her. You need to do that more. Heaven forbid if your wife passes and you have the regret, well, I never told her how much she did for me. Take care of that now. Let her know what a blessing she's been. Many other daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. We know that the things on the outside will fade away. No matter how gorgeous and beautiful you may think you are right now, age will hit you and you will look differently than what you did before. If you thought that youth was everything, you know, Hollywood has a hard time with this. They put such an emphasis on youth that when they get older, they don't know what to do with themselves. But there's something about an inner beauty that outshines anything on the outside. And that's what God, once again, has placed the emphasis on, the character, the heart, the innermost part of a lady. And if that is right with God, I've seen some people that may not be as beautiful on the outside, but they are so gorgeous. There's something about them because they have this inner beauty that it just shines through. This is what we should be looking for, is having that inner man as right with God as possible. When God puts an emphasis here, he's putting an emphasis on the heart of this virtuous woman. And we understand that a virtuous woman is 
is rare. That doesn't mean, well, okay, well, I'm not going to obtain to it. No, this is set to a goal that we could always be taking another step forward. We could do something better. Every single one of us can find something that we can improve on. Something we could do better at. Something we can adjust. Something we could help with. Even the idea of the older women teaching the younger women to try to help them be the people they ought to be. When things are done God's way, it works. And when it's done God's way, it's amazing to see what God can do. And with this, we place a great emphasis on biblical motherhood. Maybe there's something that you need to work on. Maybe there's something you need to adjust. Or perhaps you just need to be thankful for the mother inside of your life or the wife inside of your life. You know, it would be wonderful. Maybe it's a grandparent that's the one that really spent time with you. Maybe it's the idea that it was an aunt or uncle. We know that there's sometimes in the Bible that there was step parents involved. Esther was raised by her cousin. Jesus had a stepfather on this earth. Maybe there's someone else that was the great emphasis on your life. Maybe you just want to start by talking to God and say, God, thank you so much for this influence in my life, this help in my life. You know what? It might even be good for a child to take their parent to an altar and talk to God out loud in their parent's presence. Say, thank you for this parent that you've given me. Thank you for this influence that you placed in my life. And don't forget that if you haven't already, go call your mothers if you are able to, if they're on this side of glory. And just be thankful for who you have. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.